Hey, everybody. Welcome back for season two of the Broken Banquet podcast. This season, we've got more interviews with missionaries around the world, more interviews with authors who have written amazing books about missions, and more conversations about what it means for us to abide with one another. And yes, probably a story or two about Ashley taking a walk, eating food, or having drinks with someone who she now loves. We're so glad you're back. We're glad to be back. And we hope that you will enjoy this episode. Hey, Ashley. Hey, Will. How are you? I am so happy to see your face and to talk to you. I know. We've been on hiatus. It's good to see you again. It's been one of those missing pieces of my life not to be recording Broken Banquet episodes. I know. I know. I, I like that word hiatus, too. I, hiatus is there's just, it's a good word for what we've been. It wasn't just a break. It was a hiatus. I kept calling it a sabbatical, but I don't think I learned anything nor rested. So hiatus <laughs> was much better. I was listening to our last episode and talking about how you were getting ready to have a summer of all summers with so many teams coming. And I said, well, I'm just going to rest this summer. And you know how you say things and then God's like, ha, 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 ha. That was kind of what happened. Even when you said that, I didn't believe you. <laughs> yes, it was a very busy summer. It was good, but it was the first time, it's the first summer that's felt like summers used to feel before the pandemic. Maybe. Right. Two to three teams here every week, just a ton of moving pieces and a lot of excitement and energy and all of that kind of stuff. But it just, it wears us out. We love it. We love having the Missions and Ministry Center full of people. We had several weeks that there were 45, 50 people here. Oh my goodness. Um, but it kind of, it takes a toll on us. So it was good. It was good. You know, it was one of the coolest things about having so many people here is how often the Broken Banquet podcast came up in conversations and people talking about episodes that they had enjoyed. You know, so-and-so was such an interesting person to hear from or folks saying, you know, oh my gosh, I'm only halfway through. I, I got to get caught up before you start with season two. So it was just, I'm, I think I've been jealous of you from the very beginning because you're in a church that's full of people and, and apparently are you know, on a pretty regular basis getting feedback from folks. And I'm just not like we just put them out there and I hope someone listens. And so it was really nice to finally start having some conversations with people who it would surprise me when they were like, hey, I listened to your podcast. Like, really? So that was fun. Oh, I love that. I did notice that our numbers have been pretty regular all summer as far as listens. So Yeah, we've had almost a thousand listens since our last episode. Of course, most of them have just listened to the Tamara Boone episode. We should just have her on here every week. Because apparently, <laughs> that's what people want to hear is Tamara. <laughs> you know, she and Jeremy and the four kids were here in Shreveport uh, over the July 4th weekend. And, whoa, it was just such a great, great time. I'm looking forward to Jeremy coming on this season uh, and hearing more from him, especially about how they've transitioned back to Uganda. They are back in, in Jinja and all of the greatness and chaos that has come with that. So I think it'll be really interesting to hear from him this season. Definitely. It's been a crazy summer over here. And I just, 
I did not expect it. I really just didn't expect it. You know, we had our final episode. Uh, I went with John Woodward and friends to Houston to hear N.T. Wright, one of our favorite people. And that was a a definite highlight of the summer. Um, And then I was looking forward to going home to North Carolina and spending some time. And then my dad, of course, just upended that with a with a crazy hospital stay. And, but I was just so thankful to have been there with him uh, for that time. But that definitely was not restful either. And then the Boons were here. Uh, Jessica Weaver was here. And it, it's just been a, a nonstop summer. And then I just went on a big time trip. I went to Romania to see our favorite Romanian, Stefania. Uh, so all of these people that I'm mentioning, folks, listeners, are all previous episodes of The Broken Banquet, so you can go back and listen to their episodes. But I went to go visit Stefania, and as your wife Yolanda and I like to say, we just sat, Mm. and we talked, and we sat, and we were quiet, and we sat, and we prayed, and it was just good. Well, speaking of sitting and my wife, uh, she's by the time this episode airs, you two will have had several days together to just sit together in Virginia. And she's really, really looking forward to that. I cannot wait. After the week I have had this week, I am very much looking forward to being in Virginia with Yolanda and one of our other friends, Sally, who the listeners will meet in just a few minutes. Mm-hmm. I have a quick uh, Isabella story that as oh, soon good. as it happened, I thought uh, I, have to, I have to tell Ashley. A couple weeks ago, Isabella and Yolanda flew back from the United States and they got in really late at night. So um, I booked a hotel room near the airport in San Jose. I went and picked them up. And when we got to the room, there was a little note on the, the dresser from the, the young lady who had prepared our room for us. And it was a handwritten note, had a sticker on it. So, of course, immediately it drew Isabella's attention. So she was asking what, who this note was from. So we explained to her that this was the person who had gotten our room ready for us. And sometimes people will leave a tip when they when they leave the hotel because what you pay the hotel goes to the hotel. And so it's just something extra to, to thank them for getting the room so nice and ready for us. So the next morning we're, we're leaving and Yolanda and I had left something, you know, underneath the note for her. My mother had given Isabella a $5 bill so that as they traveled back to Costa Rica, if she wanted to get something in the airport, she would have so as I was explaining this whole tipping thing, Yolanda said, you know, like that $5 bill you have. Well, you can imagine Isabella's reaction to that. I mean, heck no. Grandma gave me that $5 bill. That's mine. Exactly. So the next morning, the next morning we get up and as we were walking out the door, Isabella was the last one out and I saw her put some change down. And I thought, well, that's great. You know, at least it's sort of sunk in and she, she gets it. Didn't leave the $5 bill, but she left some change. So fast forward a couple hours, we've stopped at a restaurant for breakfast on the way over the mountain, and somehow her $5 bill came up in conversation, and she got this really serious look on her face and just shook her head no. And we're like, well, you don't have your $5 bill? And she said, no, I left it at the hotel under that note. And I mean, I thought Yolanda's heart was just going to explode in her chest, just both of us. So proud of her for having understood that and and wanting to get not just a tip, but that very special $5 bill. So Yolanda said, 
oh, Isabella, that's wonderful that you did that. Do you know, you know what that's called? You're thinking, you know, yep, you know, blessing or something like that. And Isabella looked at me with that same straight face and said, yeah, bankruptcy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Oh, it's fantastic. (laughs) That's, yeah, that's what it meant to her. Bankruptcy. I don't know where she even learned the word bankruptcy. Oh my gosh. I've never loved Isabella more. Well, that reminds me, though, that as you had these 45 teams or how many ever you had this summer, uh, you also went to Lake Junaluska. You went to, where else have you been this summer? I don't know. Did I go somewhere else? Oh, I thought you just got back from somewhere. South Carolina? Oh, well, yeah, that was last week. But yes, yes. We went to Lake Junaluska, which for those of you who are outside of the Methodist realm um that's a methodist assembly ground up in the north carolina mountains where my family has spent summers forever so it was great to be up there again and to see um you know aunts and uncles and cousins and old friends and fireworks and parades and all of the fun fourth of july stuff Um, it was fun for isabella she's at an age where she can really enjoy that stuff now so we did that and then um, I came back after a week because I had teams here, but Yolanda and Isabella stayed for another week. Mm-hmm. And then last week, I flew on Friday, uh, flew to Myrtle Beach, which took three flights, had dinner with a, a church um, that has just started working with us, and spent the night um, at Myrtle Beach, and then drove the next day to Florence, South Carolina, preached on Sunday morning in Florence, and then drove from Florence to Irmo, South Carolina, which is outside of Columbia, mm-hmm. and spent the afternoon and the evening with a church in, in Irmo. And then the next morning, got up at five o'clock and drove to the airport and flew home. So I think I was, I guess I was in the States for about 48 hours and got to see friends from uh, Blaine United Methodist Church and Central United Methodist Church and Union United Methodist Church all in South Carolina. Wow. Talk about being a road warrior. Well, uh, speaking of road warrior, I was just in Tanzania and in Kenya. And while we were in, while we, while I was in uh, Tanzania, we had the opportunity to record our very first episode for season two of The Broken Banquet. Mm-hmm. Which folks are getting ready to listen to. You know, we we talked uh, at the end of last season about Mino Missions and this new missions organization that you and I created and are really excited about and are putting some of the, the finishing touches on getting that ready for the public. So, yeah, we thought that uh, it would kind of be a nice way to start season two by talking a little bit more extensively about that ministry and hearing from some of the other folks that are involved with us. Yes. So listeners, you'll get to meet Sally Block of Northern Virginia. You'll get to meet John Sweeney of Birmingham, Alabama. And then one of our very favorites, our favorite guest co-host, John Woodward, will also be on to help guide our conversation together. So friends, we can't wait for you to learn more about Mino Missions and um and go to our website, which is minomissions.com, and you can find out more there. But we can't wait to introduce you to these fine folks on our board of directors. Hope everybody enjoys this episode. Without further ado, Season 2, Episode 1. 
starting now. So as an introduction to Mino Missions, as we start this new season of The Broken Banquet, uh, we thought it would be great to have our board members here with us and talk a little bit about the vision that we have for this ministry. And to start that off, why don't each one of you introduce yourselves and then tell our listeners why you think Ashley and I have invited you to be a part of this board of directors. Hey, thanks, Will. Um, I'm Sally Block. And I met Will in the summer of 2009 when I came to Costa Rica with a group of college students. And it was that experience that really transformed my view of missions. Will was the first person that showed me what it meant to be all in in missions, all in in community. Prior to that, I had been the product of every short-term mission, self-demission, volunteerism, everything that you could say about being just a part-time in missions. But that experience in Costa Rica really set my my mission and that of our churches in a truly different direction. Later that year in 2009, I met and hired Ashley to lead our youth and lead our mission. And then the following year, I brought Ashley with me to Costa Rica. So there you go. Um, I'm on this board because I introduced Ashley to Will. And in an earlier podcast, they talked about their first conversation was at the foot of a ladder and they were having a great conversation. What they failed to mention was that it was a 30 foot ladder and I was at the top of it. I am clearly incredibly passionate about the work that the two of them started with that relationship and have continued. And I'm very excited to start working with Mino Mission so that they can bring what they're passionate about into other organizations throughout the globe. My goodness gracious, Sally. I am so thankful for you for hiring me, number one, and number two, for introducing me to Will Bailey, because I will never forget that summer, because I arrived and started working at the church at Herndon Methodist, maybe the week after you all got back from Costa Rica, and for the entire rest of that summer, all I had to hear about was Will Bailey, Will Bailey, Will Bailey, Will Bailey, Will Bailey. Now, now, little did I know how much I was going to come to grow and love him along with Yolanda. So, you know, I kn never knew that that, that was going to turn into this. But that first summer, man, goodness gracious, if I had had to hear another story about Will Bailey, man. Yeah, really. But look Gosh. at us now. Enough, enough of that guy. <laughs> So this is the first time I've met you, Sally. So I don't know a lot of your background. I am in life who I am. Hey, I'm a friend of Will and Ashley. I guess that's what I <laughs> tell you most often. I'm also a a wife of 35 years, a mother of two grown daughters, a mum mum, which is our family name for grandmother, uh, a sister, and professionally, I'm a business consultant. Um, primarily working with go-to-market strategies and business transformation in the public sector, quite a bit of leadership development for the last 30 years. I've spent my entire professional career inside the Beltway in, in D.C. But it's that consulting experience that I've used to also translate into an equal 30 years in church leadership at Herndon, working with our youth, working with our global missions, and working lots of our strategic initiatives. Hey, and some of you may notice that that voice that, that chimed in there, that was John Woodward, our guest host 
extraordinaire. John, you want to remind folks uh, who you are and, and let us know why you think we've invited you to be a part of Mino Mission? So like Sally, I'm a grandparent, a husband of 42 years, have been involved in ministry now, uh, celebrating 40 years of of ministry in uh, both missions and campus ministry uh, over the years, and just have a real passion for missions, of getting people involved in missions and understanding uh, the needs of uh, being involved in the world as as Christ followers. I met Ashley 10 years ago now, right, Ashley? You're exactly right. We just celebrated our 10-year anniversary, John. 10-year anniversary. So we met in... We met in an elevator in London, right? Yes, we did. We took a walk. Right, exactly. Uh, And uh, then through Ashley, um, I got to know Will and have been down to Costa Rica once and uh, been on trips to Israel with Will. Uh, Been blessed by the relationship with both um, Ashley and Will over the years. And so uh, why they invited me to be on their board, if I remember correctly, the story goes, there was a blank space that needed a signature <laughs> on their contract. And they thought, well, John will do anything. So they put my name on there and I became a board member. So who do we know that will sign this without actually reading it first? <laughs> that was exactly me. So you, I remember how John Woodward got involved. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it very much. <laughs> so on, on, on the other side of that, any chance I have to be involved with what you guys are doing, I, I just feel very, very blessed. Just watching the two of you, uh, your passion for missions, your uh, passion to um, just uh, bring people to the banquet table uh, has has been amazing uh, to watch. And so to be invited in to be a part of what you're doing in this special new ministry is such a thrill. And so thank you very much for putting my name in there. Hey, John Sweeney, you're the cleanup hitter. What you got? Yeah, so I'm John Sweeney. I'm one of the pastors at Vestavia Hills Methodist Church in Birmingham, Alabama. And I got to know Will literally by accident. Um, We were traveling back from Israel on a church trip, and the minister who was set to bring our mission team to Costa Rica to work with Will got injured and asked me to, to take the group down to Costa Rica. And immediately, Will and I connected um, just from a, a friendship standpoint. We had, we both um, attended perhaps the finest university in all of the world, if not at least the United States. Or at least it's breaking up again. Is it breaking up for you all? I think it's and, breaking up again. I can't hear anything. Hang on a second, John. Let me mute Ashley for a minute so you Here can tell what you were saying. Yeah. That, may be, that may be part of the problem. Anyway, um, I tell you, the the ministry and work that is happening in Costa Rica through the Costa Rica Mission Project immediately kind of transformed the way um, I have always done missions. A lot like Sally, I was part of vacation tourism, um, mission trips. We've done a lot of kind of domestic week-long camps um, throughout Appalachia, which are critically important, but the the concept that Will um, embodies immediately upon arrival in Costa Rica and and talking with him and working with him through the last three or four years has really opened my eyes to um, that this radically 
important new way of, of looking at missions and looking at relationships with each other, not just those sitting in our offices or in our sanctuaries, but um, with our brothers and sisters throughout the world. In talking through the beginnings of this ministry with Will, I, I just knew that there was something of, of tremendous value that needs to be shared, not only with our congregation in Vesavia, but throughout the church. It's the concept that transcends missions. It's really kind of who we are as believers, who we are um, as followers of Christ, to be in relationship with each other. And um, I am grateful for what you guys are putting together, and I'm, I'm appreciative of being in kind of on the ground level of it um, in order to hopefully bring kind of these concepts to Vestavia, but also help get those concepts out to uh, the greater church. Part of my background, in addition to clergy work, has been in nonprofit work for about 20 years in, in various nonprofits of different sizes, both large national, international nonprofits, as well as small local nonprofits. So I've kind of got that blending of, of the clergy role with the kind of importance of the nonprofit space. Well, I just got to say, I mean, just looking at this screen right now and thinking about just the different backgrounds of each one of you. And I mean, I know why we invited you and Ashley knows why we invited you. And it wasn't just because we, you know, needed someone to sign a piece of paper. The experience that each of you has ministry wise and, you know, professionally, I think is just going to be so important to helping us guide this new, this new ministry forward. So thank you guys for, for being here. I, I'm always looking for an excuse to hang out with my friends. So that's really why I cultivated this group of people together. There you have it, folks. Ashley, do you want to remind people or maybe some listeners that might be hearing about this for the very first time, what it is that we are trying to accomplish through Mino Missions? Right. So if you haven't listened to the season one finale of The Broken Banquet, I would encourage all of you to go back and listen to the the last five minutes of it, because that's when we we let the cat out of the bag to create this missions ministry. What we we've been talking about this for years, Will, of what it would look like for the two of us to develop this teaching ministry, for lack of a better word, to help local churches reimagine, redesign their missions ministry at their church. And so through that, we wanted to create resources and from our experience and from my dissertation and from all of your presentations of what it would look like for us to come alongside a, a local church and to, to give them resources, teachings, a 10-week curriculum, if you will, to walk them through the foundations of creating a missions ministry, and then uh, six more lessons on what it would look like to tangibly live out abiding in Christ and abiding with their communities and communities around the world. So uh that's that's what we where we've started and that's where we're heading and with any luck maybe we'll do a little beta testing here coming up in the next year and see if we can kick this thing off now that we've got a board of directors and an official seal of approval from the state of Louisiana and a website and a website and a logo and, and, a logo and business cards i mean Ooh, stickers yeah. coming too mm -hmm. <laughs> <Sweet>. <laughs> um well I know that John Sweeney is kind of 
pressed for time because he's got another commitment. And so uh, I wonder, John, if you wouldn't mind, would you talk a little bit about, I know your church that you serve has been through a similar sort of, of process to what we're, we're going to be doing. It was in a different area of, of ministry at the church. But can you talk a little bit about how that process went, how beneficial was that for the church, and, and why you think that doing it in regards to mission specifically could be just as, as helpful and beneficial? Yeah, absolutely. Six years ago, we found ourselves looking at our our future and kind of we found several areas of the church that we were struggling in. There there seemed to be kind of lower energy in certain areas. There was a there were declining numbers in certain areas, and, and there was just kind of an overall sense of of unknown as to how to tackle some of the the projects that we saw um, in the church, but also kind of fundamentally helping us understand who we are as a church. Um, and so we engaged an outside group to come in and spend a significant amount of time with our pastoral staff, with our ministry staff, with our laity and, and gathered a significant amount of information before we engaged in conversation. Um, we spent um, several days together in a retreat setting of kind of com- combining all of the information that they had gathered along with um, the group that was there kind of fleshing out what our thoughts of the future might look like. The result of that was about 10 tangible points that Vestavia Methodist was able to implement, uh, everything ranging from the redesign of a worship service to um, signage around the church. It sounds it sounds um, simplistic at times, but we had a set of fresh eyes looking at what we were doing and helping us understand how we can better be um, stewards of who we are, but also be better in the tasks of sharing the gospel with with those around us. Um, And out of that came a really renewed energy um, and a renewed sense of who we were because the tangible things that were being asked or being invited to, to accomplish were exactly that. They were things that people could see and do and participate in that were different than what we had been doing before. And it took an outside group to kind of come in and say, and we, you know, gave them permission to say, we think this might work better than what you're doing. And it was that old kind of adage of, of us committing to saying, well, we tried that before and it didn't work. So we're not going to do it again. And I think the, the correlation between the, the ministry that you and Ashley are putting together as a as an outside resource to come into a church and strategically look at the existing mission programs and to begin talking through how the concepts of abiding can can change for the better those relationships it gives the church the local church the ability to say because there's a there's a trust level and an engagement between the two of you um, that the church can say, you know, it's okay that we're that we're being 
guided to do things differently. And and it's okay because we we can see we can point back to opportunities in the in the church's history where um, somebody that we trust from the outside has been able to come in and say, "Have you ever thought about doing it differently? Um, not fundamentally differently in the theology, but fundamentally different in the approach." And that's where I really am excited about the opportunities that Vestavia will have in working with Mino Missions, but also what all local churches will have the opportunity to be involved in as we're able to kind of re rethink what it means to be in mission. And that's something that I've really gleaned from the two of you over the last few years. It's the willingness and the opportunity for a local church to say, we don't know all the answers and we want to learn from people who can help us figure out our own answer. And I think what the, the, the style that you two are presenting is it's not a one size fits all. It's going to be adapting the local church to these concepts rather than saying, here are the projects that you have to do one, two, three, four, five. Um, and that I think has tremendous value. Thank you, John. So, uh, Ashley, the term Mino missions has come up several times, but I'm sure many people don't know what Mino actually means. And you love a good word that you latch on to. And I think Mino is one of your favorites. So can you explain what Mino means in the Mino mission? Yes, you're right. I do love a good word. So on my way back from Uganda, gosh, it's been probably 10 years ago, nine years at least, uh, I was reading John chapter 15 and I end up, ended up stuck in John chapter 15 for two years, going back and forth and back and forth between all of our mission partners and, and studying in school. And I, I really keyed in on this word abide. And the Greek word for abide is meno, M-E-N-O. And Mino, when I did a word study on it, pulled out all the Greek lexicons, I keyed in on one definition, which was an inward enduring personal communion, inward enduring personal communion. And I started taking apart those four words from that of this inward connection that we have uh, directly to Christ because he abides in us and we abide in him. This enduring that it's a continuous relationship. It's not just a one-stop shop. It's not we go visit once and we move on to the next shiny thing. It's not one project that we just sit on and just and do nothing else. But this enduring relationship, uh, this, this idea of personal, uh, that it's a, a personal relationship between me and God and a personal relationship between me and you. And that's how God called us to be in this communion, this community together, that we're trying to create community in our local uh, community, in our church, and in the world. And so when you think of this inward enduring personal communion, this way to abide, this mino, this has the opportunity to completely reimagine and re-envision what mission can look like and mission being what we are called to do and live in each and every day. So mino missions, it just seemed to be a perfect uh, merriment between those two things of, of we want uh, abiding to drive everything that we do and seek to live in a relationship with people all across the world. 
that is so well put, and I think that's such a beautiful, beautiful illustration of what missions can be uh, for the local church. So you talk about uh, going into churches and and helping them to kind of move in a new direction. So what processes would you uh, be doing with a church uh, to help them move into this Mino kind of missions that you envision? Right. So we, we sat down to think about what do we want to do? How do we want to go about it? And we started with a, first there used to be an assessment. Where are you in your current state of mission? What does that look like for you and your local church? What do you want it to look like? Um, and make it personal between Will and me and the church, the local church. Um, and then we thought we would break it down into 10 sessions. The first one, Will and I would be there in person. The last one, Will and I would be there in person. And then we would do eight lessons in between on Zoom or one of an, another digital platform. And we thought we would start with four foundational lessons of what does it mean to be the church? What is Mino and what does John 15 really call us to be? Maybe um, what it is that that missions is. What's the difference between transactional and transformational? Going through some of those things, just mission theology. Uh, so we wanted to give building blocks, foundational blocks that we could build upon. And then after we go through these foundational lessons, we wanted to go through practical ways of learning so that the local church could have something tangible uh, through each lesson on how they could reframe missions for their church and how they could build a ministry that suits their needs and hopefully reimagines the way that they will live into relationship across the world. And the whole goal is too, and I think we've heard this over and over, especially after season one of the Broken Banquet, is how much people are applying what they're learning about these global relationships to their local context. And I think that that's so important for all of us, that global missions is wonderful. But as Will says all the time, especially with teams in Costa Rica, is that it's not an either or, it is a both and. How are we living into an abiding relationship with the people in our congregation? How are we living into an abiding relationship with the people of our community? And then from there, extending that abiding relationship to the world. Yeah, the process that Ashley just described and the process that John described earlier when he engaged with an outside firm is a tried and true consulting model. And at its heart, Consulting is really good teaching and really good teaching meets you where you are and takes you to where you need to be. And in, and in this model, the way Ashley and Will have designed it, um, starting with that assessment, it's meeting churches where they are and taking them where God needs them to be. One of the key components, though, when you're looking in this model is really the who you engage with. And you need three components there. You need the experts. If I'm getting into a consulting agreement or developing an AI platform, I know I'm going to need a bevy of data scientists that are experts. If I'm engaging in reshaping how my church thinks about missions, I'm going to need some experts. I'm going to be somebody who has lived it in the field for 20 years like Will has. I need somebody who has preached it and learned it and lived it like Ashley. 
I need those experts with decades of experience to help guide that. Second thing you need is somebody that's a good diagnostician, somebody that can look at the inside of where a church is. And John and John bring that piece. They both live in churches, in ministry, in the nonprofit world, and they can spot areas that can be addressed and improved upon very quickly because they bring that expertise. Uh, and then the final piece to that is nothing happens until it gets implemented and you need process consultants. And that's kind of what we all bring. And that's the ultimate goal is what Ashley just described is that we, we all endeavor to make sure that we're increasing the capacity of the church to create disciples, to be in healthy relationships. I forget now who coined that phrase, the theology of companionship, but we want churches to be able to live into that and engaging in this tried and true model of assessment and solution and feedback loops and making sure that we've got good implementation and experts that are delivering it is a model that we know works and we're ready to move that forward. And that's why we have Sally Block on our board. <laughs> Just thinking the same thing. Very Thank well you, Sally. I do, I, I do, I truly believe this is, I, I am so passionate about the fact, knowing you guys as long as I have, that this is just the natural progression of the work that you and Ashley are doing as missionaries, but frankly, guys, as teachers. And you know, I've been saying this for, for a while to people who, who come down here and are part of this ministry with us, you know, anybody can fill out a calendar. That's not a real hard thing to do, finding space for people on a calendar. Uh, anybody can go to the hardware store and pay the bill for building materials. But I feel like the thing that I feel the most urgency for in my daily life as a missionary in the mission field is what you just said. It's teaching. And it's because as we've learned and grown and developed this understanding of the kind of ministry that we believe we've been called to be in this place. And as I've, I think, gotten better at communicating that with people, the feedback that I've gotten from them to have to have a, a pastor who's been in church leadership for years come down here with the team and say to me, nobody's ever explained missional relationships to us that way, or no one has ever explained what it means to go on a mission trip that way. And gosh, we wish we'd done this sooner, or we wish we'd heard this sooner. And so for me, one of the big motivations is right now, I'm kind of limited in how much of that kind of teaching I can do by the number of teams that are coming to work with us in Costa Rica and the number of people that listen to the Broken Banquet podcast. But I hope that by creating this new ministry, it's going to give Ashley and I both an opportunity to reach even more people so that we can keep doing this work of teaching and, and hopefully changing people's mentalities about missions. I think we all agree that there's tons of examples of missions done wrongly, right? And, and we all want to run away from that. I want to make sure that people know what they can run to. Um, and so 
um, that's my my hope for this is to be able to teach and to guide people and congregations through that process with this this sort of structure that we're creating with the kind of plan that Ashley was talking about and the kinds of relationships that we will be creating with these churches, this sort of you know mentoring kind of relationship that's not just the 10-week process, but this is, you know, I think we're expecting that churches that become Mino Mission churches, that's a long-term relationship just like what I, as the missionary, expect from the churches that commit to being a part of Acts 1-8 missions. Um, and so the idea that we're going to get to be a part of that kind of transformation in individuals' lives and understanding of, of missions, and also part of that kind of transformation in congregations' understanding of missions, uh, to me, is it's super exciting. And, and I think, like I said, I think it's probably the most important thing that I can do as a missionary. And we're going to need a bigger table um, as you continue to, to build and bring people into this table. And that starts with some of the foundational work that you've done around changing language, changing how we talk and think about it. That's that core component of teaching. I'll plug the Will Bailey episode in season one when we talk about what it means to be church. I said it early on. He taught me how to be all in. And that's the opportunity for us to expand that. So I'm grateful for you guys to do that. And I think that that's a half the battle with some of this is changing our language. Because once we change our language, then automatically we're intentionally changing the way we think about living in relationship with one another. We're changing it from that transactional mindset to a relationship mindset. Um and, and I think that that's half the battle is that when we start using these different words, then our then our whole being changes to another idea of this is what I want to intentionally live out. And, and if that's what we can do in a 10-week model or a 10-week teaching, then that's enough to create new habits, right? You break old habits and you create new habits. 10 weeks is long enough to do that. And that's what I think I look forward to most is doing that together with a mission committee or with a church body or, or whoever it is that they so choose for us to walk alongside for those 10 weeks. Yeah. One of the things that you said to change my language was that Jesus created human beings, not human doers. And um, I can give you a quick example. Ashley and I had opportunity to serve with her for many years in Haiti. And we're in blank at Haiti and we've put together this beautiful water system and it's in this great water building. So I'm sitting there now and my task is done, but I'm just sitting. Now, I told you my entire career has been spent inside the Beltway in DC and we don't sit well. So I wasn't sitting well. So I reached up and I grabbed the paintbrush and I began to paint the water building. And very quickly, I felt a tap on my shoulder and firmly and quietly, Ansi told me to put the paintbrush down and sit down. <laughs> and I backed away because it was Ansi and, and I listened to anything and everything he says to me. 
And so I sat down, but the rest of the conversation was, Sally, there are four Haitian men standing on that street watching you, and it is their job to paint that building. Mm -hmm. You need to sit down and be in conversation, in communion with this group. Now, the person I ended up in conversation with is a lifelong friend, right? Ansi was right. God created human So I think your timing for this is so perfect. Um, one of the things I learned from your first season of The Broken Banquet was there seems to be a very clear movement in the American church to kind of wake up to just question how we've been doing missions. Some of the, the people you interviewed are writing some amazing things just to kind of awaken us to the fact that we've been really not focusing on what we should be focusing on and doing missions the way uh, that Christ did missions. And the thing that I think a lot of these churches are going to find is as they wake up to these questions and begin to see new ways of doing missions, that there is not a lot of resources out there to actually help them to move into this new way of doing missions. And I think a lot of churches may like the idea, but not really know what to do practically, hands-on. And so I think you're providing resources that are going to help those churches that are out there that are coming awake and getting excited about possibilities for missions uh, to be able to have someone come in and really help them work through the process to learn and grow and develop really good programs, uh, mission programs that uh, are going to be effective. And so I think this is the right time, uh, the right place. Um, I think this is what the church really needs. I hope you're right, John. I hope you're right. Uh, I think you're you're correct. I mean, the conversations that I was having with with volunteers that were coming down here 20 years ago are totally different from the conversations that I'm having with them now and the questions that they're coming down here with. Mm -hmm. And that's encouraging that people are being as thoughtful as they are and wanting to get it right. You know, mm -hmm. it's hard to break old habits and break out of old mentalities. And there's some traditions that, that we hold on to really tightly even after we realized that maybe that wasn't the best thing to do. Uh, maybe it's not the best thing to be holding on to, but it's still hard. And, and so I'm encouraged by how open people seem to be to having these conversations. So all this and more we have to look forward to on season two of The Broken Banquet, that our listeners will be able to walk with us as we live out even more preparation for Mino Missions. And we have a fantastic lineup of guests coming on The Broken Banquet in season two. I'm very excited for all, all the folks that have agreed to come on to the, the podcast and all of the new knowledge, the new people that we will get to meet and introduce you to some maybe old friends again. Yeah, and I just want to say thanks to Sally and to John and to John for being a part of this project with us. It means so much to, to Ashley and I. Thank you. And thank you for being on The Broken Banquet. As always, thank you for inviting me. So excited to be part of it and to be here. Thank you. Thank you, people I love. Thank you so much. See you guys.
Well, I'm so thankful that we are back on track and recording episodes for season two. I have missed you like crazy, and it does me good to see your face and to hear your voice. So, yeah, me too. It's it's good to be back in my little booth again in, in this corner of my office with my phone padding and all of that kinds of stuff. So I'm excited. I can't wait for the folks that we're going to get to talk to and to get to see you on a regular basis again. Can't wait to see your wife in a couple of weeks. She's very excited about spending time with you and Sally. Yes. Well, John, Sally, thank you so much. See you guys. I will. Bye-bye now. Bye. You've been listening to The Broken Banquet, a podcast by Will Bailey and Ashley Goad. Music provided by Irene and the Sleepers. Join us next week for another episode. He's prepared the table. All things are ready. Come to the feast.